What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision podcast. I'm your host, Colette Abdallah, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Dr. Chris Burton, host of Baddus Chaplain and Principal Consultant for DeBattis Consulting. How's everything going today, Chris? Uh, no, I'm doing wonderful, brother. How's everything on your side? Doing well, man. No complaints. So today's topic, and the reason I asked uh, Dr. Chris on, is because I want to talk about Deion Sanders and the disruption that he's doing to the NCAA, to college football, all that stuff. So we want to start maybe with some history on, on Dion, the background on Deion Sanders, of course, being one of the greatest athletes in American history, being a two-sport athlete. How much about Dion do you remember growing up? I, I th think we're about the same age. I want to say mid-30s or so. That's right. Yeah, so, mid-30s. So how much of, of Dion do you remember, and what was your like Im first impressions of him as a kid? So my first impression of Dion was him winning the Super Bowl with the Niners uh, in 94 and absolutely hating the 49ers as a, as a Cowboys fan at the time. And then immediately the next season, loving Deion Sanders when he won the Super Bowl with the, with the Dallas Cowboys in 95. Um, and obviously uh, we played a lot of like uh, – playground football so you had kids hitting the dance um you know that that whole prime time shuffle i mean dion was just an athlete and, and you know you you cheered for him you wanted to be him all the way through you know i remember being excited for his comeback with the ravens when he i think he was 37 years old yeah wait, he wore 37 because he was 37 <laughs> <laughs> he was past his prime <laughs> and still was was out there and it's just amazing to see uh you know pretty much the consensus pick on the greatest cornerback ever be able to turn that into, you know, truth prep and then turning that into, uh, you know, his time on, with the NFL network, which was just so fun. I think that, uh, clip with him and LaDainian Thomas and the Shannon Sharp still goes viral. Um, where they're just like talking and just having a great time on there and then being able to follow him all the way through Jackson state. And now at Colorado, it just, it's, I, I can't cheer against Dion, man. I just love him too much. He has like, this just incredibly legendary career. He's done things that no one else has ever done. And at the same time, he just has this like infectious charisma and positivity that he brings to everything. And I mean, some people might call it arrogance, um, right. you know, especially when, when he was real young. And I remember one of the stories that I recall was when he was uh, preparing for the draft, there was a team, I, forget, I think it was the Giants. That were the picking, Giants, yeah. Yeah, they're picking like 10th or something like that. And they asked him to come work out or send him a plate, something like that. And he's like, nah, I'm not I'll even going to bother. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm going to be gone by then, so I'm not even going to bother. Uh, but I think this is a uh, – he knew his worth, we'll say. Yeah. That. I think that's that's definitely a common theme that we've seen with, with Dion throughout his career. And mm -hmm. something that um, I when I was talking to Dave Zirin about Jim Brown that he talked about as well was that Jim Brown always knew his worth. Yeah, and I think these guys on. are very similar in terms of their bravado, their two-sport excellence, all that mm -hmm. stuff. So – let, let's talk about the coaching because I think we all know about the uh, work he's did in the NFL with the MLB, right. all that stuff. So do you recall why he you know, decided to, to coach at, at Jackson State, which is, a, of course, an HBCU, maybe a mm -hmm. lower-level football program? So what do, you, do you know about what went into the decision to coach there? Well, I, I know what – I want to start with like what he said and also sort of the context of it too. So mm -hmm. the thing I've, I've admired about Dion is that he, he wears his faith on his sleeve. Right. So he's talked about it in terms of like, I'm on a mission from God. That's why I went to Jackson State. So I can understand why it might have left a sour taste in folks mouth when he left Jackson State. But um, thinking about the doors that were shut and the, the ways in which, you know, 
it's pretty clear um, if you've been following from the beginning that his heart was set on being a coach at his alma mater, F- Florida State. And that door was not open for him whatsoever, right? Mm-hmm. And, and even at this point, with all the success that University of Colorado is having, and Florida State's having a great season too, I, I'd be hard-pressed to think that if that vacancy ever came up, that he would really uh, turn it away. I, I think that's really where his, his heart is to be able to go back um, to his alma mater and sort of like complete the story in that way. Um, so it was really a, a matter of the credibility. He wasn't taken seriously. People looked at him as, as you described earlier, arrogant, which I don't think is truly fair because it doesn't seem to me as if it's all about him. I think a truly arrogant person is only in this for their own benefit. He seems, as far as I can tell, you know, I don't know him personally, obviously, but he mm-hmm. seems to be pretty earnest and wanting to uplift the, the kids on his team and wanting to transform their lives, not just as players, but as people. Um, so it, it seemed as if he just couldn't get into the club, right? So being able to go to um, Jackson State, which to me is not a step down, right? It's, it's clearly like um, uh, FCS versus FBS, but it's also a sense of a really different context where he'd still be able to fulfill that mission about um, dealing with folks in terms of the whole person. And so um, those doors in the FBS were close to him. And that's what really opened up that opportunity for him to go to Jackson state and frankly have a tremendous amount of success in a very short period of time there. He did. Yeah. He, one of the the biggest things he did of course was uh, getting Travis Hunter uh, who's a, the superstar two-way player right who at the time was the consensus number one recruit and he turned down schools like Florida State Alabama etc right. like any big program you name him and, and Dion was able, was able to bring him to to Jackson State so what is it about him that allows him to I mean we could talk about Colorado and the the pull that he has there but how does he get these kids these stars to come to Jackson State which again it's not a step. I mean, it's we we can be real. It's an FCS program, so it's right. a, it's a lower level program. It's Division Two or One AA as they used right. to call it. So, what is it about him that allows him to to bring these kids to a program like that? I think it's at least threefold. There's a lot of players of Dion's caliber who make terrible coaches, right? Because they can't imagine why it would be difficult for you to do that thing, right? This is something that whatever the skill is, right? If he's if he's talking to a cornerback. It was like breathing for him, right, the, to be able to do the things that, that he was able to do. And so for a lot of great players, elite players, legendary players, they get frustrated when they see people either not um, being as committed or just, frankly, not able to achieve it. But Dion has this deep charisma that allows you to believe in yourself, right? So there's that sense of he's a legend. So you know he's not just like talking about it. He's actually lived it. He's everything that you'd want your career to be like. But then he also has this sense of, I'm going to get the absolute best out of you. You're going to waste your time if you're not here to bring your your absolute best. And three, I can't help but be stuck by uh, the conversation that his team just put out with him and Travis Hunter, where Travis Hunter, you know, uh, has a lacerated liver, is going to be out for a few more weeks, but wants to play um, this weekend against USC. And Dion uh, shared the message with his team of shutting it down and saying, you may, you matter too much to me for me to allow you to play. And he even went so far to say to him, and this is Deion Sanders, once again, most likely the, the greatest cornerback we've ever seen, one of the greatest football players we've ever seen, saying to Travis Hunter, your potential is higher than mine. So imagine this person who's just, you know, everything Travis Hunter would want to be saying, you're going to be better than me. Like he calls him son, and, and there's all of that language baked into it, which is not uncommon for coaches, but he's really living this out in a comprehensive way. It's not just, oh, you're just a player. He really has this whole cultural shift that he brings to a team of like, 
you know, we're a family, not just in a sort of a corporate way, but he, he seems to be walking it out. Yeah, I mean, of all the criticisms of Dion, I mean, you can't say that he's dishonest. He's always right. upfront with his guys. I'm sure he was real with, with Travis about the challenges that they were going to face at Jackson State and the facilities versus Come what on. they're used to and all that stuff. But, I mean, he drew the attention. They were they played on ESPN a bunch of times. So he brought eyes to, to the HBCU level. And there's been some criticism there. I mean, what do you make of the criticism of folks at the HBCU level who are saying that Dion only used this as a, a springboard yeah. to greater success? What do you think about that? I mean, I can understand the, the, the pain and the feeling of, you know, just being used and, and sort of, you know, someone, it's almost like you're at a party and someone sort of like this dance with you, but also looking around the room and say, who else is available to dance with? I can understand that sort of feeling coming up, but it was transformative. ESPN game day was not going to come to Jackson State without Dion being there. That's just an honest thing. And that's true for any any uh, program on, on that FCS level. That, that wasn't going to happen, right? So we, we have to just be realistic, as you, as you were saying earlier, about sort of the expectations and, and, and the, uh, you know, sort of the, the realities of, of Division uh, 1AA. But also, um, I think there is a sense of HBCU culture is a world unto itself when compared with um, the culture like PWIs, right? So it's a very yeah. different um, understanding of like, you know, what greatness is, right? It, it may not mean something to someone who, uh, you know, follows like Big Ten football, uh, like what, what Grambling, say someone like a, the giant like Eddie Robinson would mean, right? That may not mean, may not mean much to them, but it means the whole world to folks who are within the HBCU universe, right? So just thinking about what it means to sort of like cross over into like the power conferences it, I, who could blame anyone for feeling the sense of like we've been slighted or we're just being used but I think it would be misguided to act as if the accomplishments and the contributions of Dion's tenure at Jackson State is limited as it was he just got there in 21 and he's already at a, at a different place um, undoubtedly it was a short time but it was an impactful time and I think that to sort of understate that would be a, a disservice too yeah and I, th I think if anything he made it more attractive to be an HBCU head coach. I know yeah. uh, Eddie George, who was mm -hmm. you know a legend with the Oilers and the Titans, is is coaching there now. I want to say Ed Reed was going to coach. Ed, at, he was going to coach at Bethune Cookman, but absolutely did not. Yeah, work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for a long list of of other reasons, we don't need to get into. But 100%. I think he made it a, a viable destination, maybe for former players or guys who are looking for a chance to coach. You know, a, a college football program. And may run into barriers or obstacles at the the elite, you know, level with the Big Ten, a Big Twelve, all these different conferences. So, mm -hmm. I, I understand why they may feel a little slighted, like, oh, you just use this as a springboard, you don't really care anymore. But the attention and the money and all that that he brought to the HBCU conference, which I think is the Southern Conference, I believe it's yeah, called. Swack, yeah, yep. The Swack, yeah. So, I, I get it, but I think it's unfair to hold Dion to, to those standards. So, the the jump from Jackson State to Colorado. Why Colorado? What was it about the program that made them think, you know, maybe we should take a chance on this guy versus some of the, I know we, I don't think they really use the word blue blood in, yeah. in college football, but you right, know, some right. of the more traditional powers. For sure. Well, I mean, why, number one, it's like you won one game last season. Why not take a chance? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you have to lose? 
know, I, I mean, I, I've been kind of joking, thinking about uh, going into this. Like he's already tripled the win record for for, for last season. So like we we think at three and one now. So I I don't really think of it as something that was like a huge risk on Colorado's part, um, and and not truly a risk on on Dion's part either. Um, in the, in the sense that uh, it's a program that he can truly say he's building up, right? Let's let's say it had been a situation where hypothetically if Nick Saban had retired and 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 Dion went to Alabama could you imagine going like going into a program that has such a storied history is the like you know to use that sort of blue blood language of college football the expectations would be unbearable. I, now, I have no doubt that Dion's someone who could live up to any amount of expectations and pressure, but at the same time, it's not the same situation as him walking into Colorado and really transforming the atmosphere in Boulder and transforming the, the expectations for sure. I, I um, you know, just was on uh, an online uh, store trying to buy some Colorado gear, and they were going to ship that hoodie in November. Right. So like, I don't think that was the case last season. I think it would have been next day delivery last season. But thinking about if, if it was even available. Online. But yeah, so they would have paid you to come, get some, paid some me gear, to come yeah. get some 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 buffs gear, you know. So, so it's a, a really transformative situation. It's a great um, uh, not even risk. It's just a, a great investment in each other. I think they're just, at this uh, juncture, at least perfect partners in terms of a program that desperately needs to be turned around in a time when the, the Pac-12 um, is, is very uncertain how many more teams are going to uh, leave for other conferences. Um, there's no real reason to say we shouldn't do this on either side, uh, except for the fact, honestly, of Dion getting the heat that he did for leaving Jackson State in the first place. I don't see what sort of loss uh, uh, Colorado has taken in this. Yeah, it's it's definitely a mutually beneficial relationship. I mm-hmm. mean, I think so far it's it's only been a few weeks or four weeks through the season. By the time this is published, it'll be uh, five weeks they'll have played right. USC. That's right. Um, so it, it definitely is mutually beneficial. Like you said, they did win one game last year. It's a program that, despite winning a national championship at some point in its history, has become an afterthought since joining the Pac-12. They just one of, they're one of the basement dwellers. They're just mm-hmm. kind of there doing their thing. Um, and he's already – I think it's already a success. We can talk a little bit more about what true success will be for Dion during his, his tenure here. But I think that the turnaround that he's already started is is already a success in mm-hmm. terms of the cultural cachet of the program. Like you said, you can't buy Buffs gear because it's back-ordered, which I'm sure has probably never happened Ever. in the history of their program. <laughs> Ever. So – what were the steps? How did he turn this program around so quickly? I think we can talk a little bit more about the perfect storm that happened with NIL and the transfer portal and all that. Right. But how did he turn this team around so quickly? And the two-part question, what do you make of the criticism that he's received for the way he treated the former players? Yeah, I watched uh, that that video when he, he walked into the locker room after that one win season and and just told them straight up some of y'all ain't gonna be here like 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 i'm I'm coming and the, the luggage is louis and all of that right so i, I think um I, I would much rather that than the snake oil salesman approach of smiling in everyone's face saying that we're all family and then you find out you got cut and then you find out mm-hmm. you need to hit that transfer portal i i think the reality um now and it's it's true of anything in sports right like you know 
if you if you're if if Steph Curry was playing in the '60s, it would be a very different uh, style of play he would have, right? Like it, like it, just the three pointer didn't exist. So we, I think we always have to just judge things by the era. So Dion is in the time where the transfer portal exists. He is in the time where NIL deals are making 19 year olds millionaires, right? Like like <laughs> like just loaded. So um, I, I think all of that he just understands how to use it to his advantage, right? So it's it's really something where you can't be too upset about him telling the kids to go. Cause now they had a chance to say like, let me go and get a, a jump on this. I can look at what school um, would need me. If I'm an offensive lineman, I can look and see where, where can I go and flourish rather than finding out so late that, you know, the options aren't even there for me. So I think he did right as harsh as it may be. And as harsh as people may think the message, the style of the message was, he did right by those kids and telling them, you're not going to be here next season. I'm bringing my folks in because I need to change the culture. Like this isn't a, a, a Disney film where he can just, you know, this isn't Remember the Titans where he's just going to somehow take all these kids and magically make them into a, a bowl, a bowl worthy team. That's not going to happen. You have to bring in the best and, the, and, and those who are capable of doing it. Obviously, even in the, the success, I agree with you, the success he's had so far, you're seeing that there's still a lot of work to be done. That line has to get better on, on both sides of the ball. Um, he, he's still going to need to like bring in the caliber of players that he's going to need if this is going to lead to like a, a, a bowl game or a playoff a playoff appearance or anything of that nature which we all kind of have that sort of romantic view of like this all ends with them winning everything maybe that won't happen but it can't happen in year one certainly yeah absolutely and i think we talked about it already was the the honesty of yeah. Deion sanders um i I did feel like it was a little bit harsh on the kids because again, they are kids, kids um, right. they, you know, even if they're getting paid, they're still, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old. Right, um, right. And, you know, but again, at the same time, you know, this is a harsh world. This is uh, the football world. The sports world is especially harsh. They're going to find out real quick. And they found out real quick that, you know, they maybe weren't good enough for the vision that he had of this Colorado team. Right. So I, I do agree maybe his messaging could have been a little bit better, but the underlying idea of I'm going to be real with you, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think of you, I'm not going to, again, like you said, be that snake oil salesman that's just trying to keep you around or sell you you know, a false bill of goods or something like that. I'm going to tell you exactly what's on my mind, exactly what I think of you. And maybe he gave some of these kids a chance to uh, to impress him. Maybe not. Maybe he made his decision coming in. But again – the results were on the field. They were mm-hmm. one in ten or whatever it is. So clearly they weren't good enough for, for his vision of the program. So so far, Colorado is three and one, right. maybe three and two after they play USC. They <laughs> I have think a, we can say three and two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, after playing one of the best teams in the country. Um <laughs> and one thing that, that I've noticed is that a lot of people are for as many people that are actively rooting for Deion Sanders right. for the first time in Colorado and paying attention to college football, I think there is a rumbling within the establishment and a lot of folks within sports media and things mm-hmm. like that that are actively rooting against Deion Sanders despite having no bias against Colorado or anything like that. Right? Why are folks in the sports and sports media establishment so upset at what Dion has been doing at Colorado? 
Yeah, no, the dog whistles have come out. You know, it, it's, yes. it's, it's, it started with Colorado State where the coach was saying, like, you know, my, my mother raised me better than to do a press conference with a hat and shades. I said, oh, boy, already? This is just, what was that, week, week three already? We're, we're, we're here. Look at this. And then uh, with, with the coach in Oregon, I remember uh, watching uh, that game. And obviously Oregon, um, they, they, they've um, had a, a, an impressive, very flashy program for quite some time. Not exactly the picture of uh, – Humility and, and any <laughs> by any uh, stretch of imagination, but there was still a long sense of like I'm listening to the coach. I was like, man, this feels like you know, is he playing? Is he fighting Jack Johnson today? Like, like he sounds <laughs> kind of <laughs> a little, little close to that line, my man. And, and but you saw it online, like a sense of you know, I mean, no, no way around it. Like Oregon put a beating on on on, on Colorado um, last Saturday. But there was a strong sense of, you know, I think there were some quotes online like he did this for us, like they, they won for us. And I was like, who is us? You know, so it's it's so interesting to me the ways in which, uh, you know, sports at its best brings folks from all over, regardless of your social location together, different races, different religions, different ways of life together. But at the same time, it can be a way in which the ugliest parts of our nature come full blossom. And, it, and it's just unfortunate that even with something like this, Dion's confidence rubs people the wrong way. He, he spoke Absolutely. about it um, very clearly in saying that, like, you know, America still very much has a problem with the black man who lives in his full confidence, right? Like there's something about, and I don't understand why this man who, you know, has appeared in the World Series and Super Bowl, this man who, you know, has been an all pro at, like in, at one on the highest level and, and done so many he, i mean he's doing the side missions in life at this point like why should he still be holding his hat in his hand like i don't view it as i said earlier as arrogance if it's not just about him right like he's doing even he's, he's alluded to the fact that he's talking in this way to take the pressure off of his kids right that it doesn't have to be about you know the receiver who dropped the catch or doesn't have to be about the guy who missed the block because he's taking all of the heat in his uh, press conference after the loss to Oregon was longer than the press conferences after the wins, right? Like if, if you're truly an arrogant person, if you're truly a narcissist, even you're not going to want to spend a lot of time talking about how you failed, right? You're going to only want to be there for the highlights, but this man clearly is a person of substance who doesn't mind talking about the times where, you know what, it didn't work out the way he planned it for it to work out. And he's not pushing the blame on anyone else. So I, I'd really, I would love for the folks who just cannot stand Dion and, and his program and his success to really just interrogate themselves and think, why, right? Because we could just jump to like the obvious thing, which is racism, but also, you know, we got to take the scenic route. I want you to really think about what it is that bothers you this much about him, right? Because there are other mm -hmm. uh, programs where bravado was there and it doesn't seem to rub you ro the wrong way. Why does it rub you the wrong way now? Just be honest with yourself. You don't have to be honest with me. Right? I'll, I'll never meet you, but be honest with yourself. The Oregon, the Oregon coach, I'll, I'll start there. I had no issues with that. I, I, I did think it was hilarious, a little ironic, of course, that the, the team with, you know, 50 different uniform combinations right. every year <laughs> is, uh, and no national championships, None. <clears throat> you know, is talking about flash over substance and, Oh, you know, that's not Hollywood. This is one here in the dirt. You know, we're coming up from the dirt, wherever he, whatever he was saying. Right, right. I didn't have an issue with that because I think, you know, in any competitive environment, you're looking for an edge. And if yeah. you need to, you know, make up a narrative where you're the underdog somehow against, sure. you know, you're the 
whatever 10th ranked team in the country you're playing the 19th and you're like we're the underdogs right this right. team won you know one game <laughs> last year and, and but you know and we're favored by 22 points or whatever it was oh, come on it's normal right uh, you know athletes always talk about having a chip on your shoulder and mm-hmm. nobody believed in us and all right. that so you know maybe he could have he did toe the line a little bit but i personally didn't have an issue with it get you the other stuff was very, very, very loud dog whistles. The yeah. uh, Oregon is taking a stand for us. Uh, right. You know, the very loud cheers, you know, for the beatdown that Oregon put down. I mean, it's not, again, it's competitive. Right. You're not, you're not saying take it easy on Colorado, but I no. think a lot of people took extra pleasure yeah. in seeing them get beat down. Again, because this, you know, loud, you can say arrogant, confident black man is quote unquote being put in his place. Right. You know, and it they make it bigger than sports. And I know that this absolutely, you know, this whole thing with Dion and all that. Sure, it is bigger than sports in the sense that he's trying to break the glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. He's trying to kick some doors down. But mm-hmm. they make the results on the field <clears throat> about way more than sports. And I think yeah. that's that's the issue there. And I think the the other thing is, you know, you talked about Dion and all he's accomplished. And I think it's it's not a uh, it's definitely not unique to Dion. I mean, are there other examples that you can think of? I'm sure we could be here all day talking about them, but of guys, you know, especially young black athletes or older black athletes that have reached the top or reached the pinnacle and have been looked at as like, you know, maybe you need to humble yourself for whatever reason. Oh, goodness. We could really just be here all day, right? But I think in terms of contemporary folks, I think about the treatment jump into the NBA of mm-hmm. like Russell Westbrook and even the ways in which like Draymond Green is viewed, right? Like Draymond Green, four-time champion, you know, there, there's no opinion Draymond's afraid of, right? Or afraid of sharing, but you can tell that people really are irked by his like outspokenness. And, and I think about Russell Westbrook's interaction, particularly with the, uh, the home crowd of, uh, for the Utah Jazz and how like ugly it's been. I remember that, uh, was it last off season where it looked like he was going to get traded there. I was like, please don't send that man there. It just feels like <laughs> he, he might retire immediately if he gets traded there. But just, just thinking about the ways in which, uh, you know, these, these, ugly parts of our of our history as, as as Americans they haven't died like they're 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 very much still there people often want to think about this as distant history or, or maybe history that that never really is about this ways in which we build certain folks up and the ways in which we sort of say like oh this person does it the right way like and just the ways in which we'll, we'll talk about athletes particularly about black athletes and the sort of attributes they have what do we like about them what are the things that we dislike about them like the reasons uh Allen Iverson was so you know uh castigated in the ways in which even though he's black that someone like Steph Curry was was uplifted right like just the ways in which we will sort of put folks into these particular boxes um and not allow people to have the free range of being a human being yeah i think that that's definitely a a conversation that we can have it's probably a topic for another podcast but just how certain athletes are viewed in certain ways and there's so many layers to it you know maybe there's uh the colorism the uh, appearances uh, uh the uh, maybe Steph Curry being, you know, very loudly Christian versus Allen Iverson, who's associated with hip hop culture. And there's so many right. examples, so many layers to it. And I think with with Dion in particular, I think it's interesting because he is very, very upfront with his faith. He wears it literally on his chest. Got it. You know, right. Came out, you know, right. with a with a big gold cross and he's that's not right. shy about sharing it. No. I think that's that's another thing in in America, which is interesting is. There's a lot of guys who, and a lot of athletes, both black or white, who are allowed to profess their faith, 
But I think mm-hmm. once it gets to a point where it's it's quote unquote too much, yeah, people seem to turn on it. When it becomes, you know, you're proselytizing, yeah, just to use that word, they there's like a almost a negative reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And I think in in the in the case of Dion, I mean, like I said, he's very upfront with it. It it leads his his conversations. It leads his life. I mean, what is it about him and his faith that I that you know you would think most of Christian America would be behind this guy? Right. But and again the simple explanation is racism, but is there a more complex answer to that? Is there a more complex explanation for why that is? Well, you know, it made me think about the ways in which is even though he was beloved, I think it made me think about Tim Tebow and the ways in which the audience kind of turned on him a bit too, especially once he got to the league and wasn't playing that great. I remember he had like one great play for the Broncos. <laughs> that yeah. might have been it. But um yeah, it just feels uh with with Dion I don't think it's hitting people's ears or, or their eyes in the same way, right? Like, like I listen to him and I see someone who's living out his faith, not in the sense of like, we're going to win and we're going to be great, but just in the ways in which he's talking about uh, the the kids on his team as if they are his children, right? Like, and it, and it doesn't seem insincere. Once again, I have to use seem because I'm not there on a day-to-day basis to see the details, but it, it just it seems as if you know, this person who's very much like he's, he's checking all the boxes that you would think, um, you know, the sort of like, uh, archetype of middle America would enjoy, right? Like he's, you know, has, has the, has the chain on, talks about Jesus consistently, talks about how his decisions are informed by his faith, talks about his very job as this sort of vocation of like assignment. It's like a mission from God that he's on to, 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 to coach and, and, and mentor um, young men into what he describes as, as being better uh, fathers and, and better husbands and so on and so forth. Uh, it, it just feels as if um, the delivery of it, because he's not living into sort of like the the piety that, you know, uh, American evangelicalism sort seems to enjoy, like the almost like the all shucks of it all. Like, I don't know how I'm so great by the grace of God. Like he's not living into any of that. His almost has um, sort of like the streaks and I don't use this as a derision by any means, but almost like the, the streaks of like a prosperity gospel, right? Like sort of like if you have the image you know, of, <laughs> I was really about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you read my mind. A hundred percent. You can see that it's that kind of thing of like, you know, he, he wasn't a preacher, but sort of the Ric Flair, my shoes cost more than your house. <laughs> <laughs> it's what he's hitting people with. <laughs> yeah. I think in general, one thing that a lot of people are upset about is the the flash and the hype that come and you know come with Dion. And you know, you talk about their their last game against Colorado State at home. You had the Rock on the sideline. You had Lil Wayne taking the team out. <laughs> right. You had. You know, I don't think we've seen anything like this since maybe yeah. USC in the early two thousands. Come on, right. Or the U back in the 80s That's where, right. you know, celebrities are coming out and rappers and all this stuff are making it known that, like, yeah, we're down with Colorado. We're mm-hmm. down with Coach Dion. Why does he have so much pull? What is the cultural significance of Dion Sanders, I mean, in America and I guess, you know, more so in black America that gives him this this kind of pull and, like, cultural cachet that allows him to attract this much attention and these kind of celebrities to his games? Yeah, I mean, you can find a plethora of articles um, that are, that are uh, sort of likening uh, what's happening in Colorado to Georgetown to UNLV, you know, where if you were a black kid growing up in the 80s and, and, and early 90s, you very much thought Georgetown was an HBCU. Like, you, like, it did not feel like I was like, wait, it's not? Like, I remember being kind of surprised myself. And so... Um, That's it, about as private 
private yeah, as it, it gets. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But um it just it just something about uh Dion's uh charisma and I, I just think he lives his life so freely and unapologetically himself. Uh there's so much about the black experience. You know, it's funny, I was just saying this uh um, in, in my my family, my as a quick story, my young my oldest son uh, plays the trumpet, and so uh, I I always listen to jazz in the evening. So he just took out his trumpet and started playing along, and I was like, man, you you're getting better. Like this is really good. And you know, my wife was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't play it so loud. Like, it was like six forty or in, in the evening or so. And I said, we can't live our lives afraid of like the hypothetical person who's going to complain about us, right? And I think a lot of black folks live their lives in this sort of like bubble waiting for the hypothetical, like angry phone call or the angry knock or the angry turn that down or, or, or stop being your full self. And to see someone yeah. like Dion living his life, not in a caricature, not as if he's trying to pretend to be someone or, 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 or putting on this mask and being someone, but living like himself and just saying like, Oh no, I am great. And then going out there and proving greatness. There's something really refreshing and gives, you know, black people a sense of possibility in in a marginalized society i i think that's something very refreshing and rewarding to witness and probably the other side of the coin is why it irks folks who would rather see black folks just more humble and silent yeah. i think yeah there's definitely a fear of respectability politics and yeah. letting them define their actions and i think for a lot of of course you know black head coaches or or uh yeah yeah black head coaches i think there is that respectability politics where they feel like they do have to act a certain way because you know if i don't perform a certain way if i don't act a certain way if i don't carry myself a certain way i may not get another job right, i may right. go back to you know grinding in the fill room or being a position coach or whatever and That's i think right. what's unique to dion is that he is so successful outside of colorado and coaching that he doesn't have that pressure because no. He can do whatever he wants, and you know, if he doesn't want to coach anymore, or if Colorado goes zero and twelve or whatever, right. he can just go to the booth. Yeah, he can get you know multi million dollar contract to do that, or he can whatever it is. You know, you, we see him in all kinds of commercials. He's in Aflac mm -hmm. and Subway and whatever else. So right, right, right. He's not worried, and no. he's like, I can be myself. You know, I can be my whole authentic self. So I think that's the question uh, that comes up with a lot of people: is is what he's doing repeatable? Is there, is it possible, you know, NIL and transfer, transfer portal and all that aside, is the, you know, the personality, the cult of Dion and what he's doing to this program, can anybody else do this at any other program in, in the country? The answer is yes and no, right? So no in the sense of you cannot fake the funk, right? So if you're, if you're <laughs> not really about that life, you can't all of a sudden start trying to like act like Dion and have like the great shades on and, and, and the giant cross. Like that's not, if that's not your energy, everyone's going to see through it. But at the same time, I, I really believe he's living out a blueprint that is very much repeatable. Right. So you think about any, let's, let's pick any great um, player uh, from, from, from uh, the past uh, 20, 25 years. Right. Like, so I'm going to stick with the Cowboys. Tom too, Brady. Tom, yeah, Tom Brady was, was top of mind. Right. So Tom Brady, it's not going to look exactly the same way, right? And we see Tom Brady already mentoring Shador Sanders, which, you know, as someone who grew up rooting against the Patriots, the Patriots have been good since I was in ninth grade, right? And just, like, <laughs> wouldn't go away for my, most of my uh, teenage life. I, 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 I feel like 
someone like Tom Brady could go to a program that isn't that respectable, right? Like, you know, throw throw a, a, a dart at the at the map and, and pick a school, and by virtue of it being, I don't know, the greatest quarterback ever, it's going to turn things around in a way that if he truly believes in those kids, it's going to be transformative not only for for those kids, his situation, but also for that institution, and it can help build a culture. I think, and this I say this um, firmly believing that far more retired athletes should really consider education. Like a lot of retired athletes should consider more than, more than just going into the pros. Cause I like the fact that uh, Deion said he wouldn't want to coach in the NFL because if, you know, someone has all that money and not going to try, he, he'd just be too frustrated. But I think that retired athletes particularly have a responsibility. I'll go that far to go into education and transform lives. Like I've seen the ways in which, uh, young kids particularly respond to like positive male reinforcement in the classroom. I was a former uh, classroom teacher for 11 years. I've seen it, but to add the extra layer of if I were a pro athlete, the way that it would go, like I, I, I tell you this quick story of my first teaching job. I had just gone to the NBA draft um, in 2009 and they, and I was able to get a picture holding a Knicks Jersey and, it, and I framed it. And it looks like I got drafted by the Knicks and the ways in which my students were so excited when they thought that their six foot three teacher was a, was a former professional athlete. Right, I, I told them the truth because I mean, a lie can only live so long, right? But <laughs> but it, it it was something uh, beautiful to see the ways in which they were just like, oh man, this is awesome. And I think about what it would look like if across the uh, pros you had folks who said, you know what, I'm not only gonna get my bachelor's, but I'm gonna get my master's and learn how to teach. Or I'm gonna go ahead and, and do what I need to do so I can become a a, a full time coach in whatever sport it is. The transformative aspect, not about just getting folks NIL deals and getting them into the pros, but for the whole life mentorship thing, I think could be really amazing. So I, I hope more athletes take this Dion route. I hope that we have a blueprint and not yeah. just a phenomenon. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and we interviewed uh, former NBA player Tark Abdul-Ahad recently, yeah, yeah. and he talked about his, his post-retirement experience and you know coaching uh, girls basketball. He was coaching uh, boys basketball at a local high school uh, in the Bay Area. And he had, you know, moms and, and parents reaching out to him and asking him to start like an AAU program for their girls and uh, being, you know, and he was able to be a transformative figure in their lives and helping these girls go from, you know, amateur basketball players to playing at high, playing high school at a high level or uh, college at a high level. And there's a certain like credibility that comes with having that resume, whether you're, you know, a 10 time all-star, all-pro, Hall of Famer, the GOAT, whatever, or if you just happen to play in the NBA for a few years, you have that credibility, that instant cachet that comes with, with that. And, you know, kids will perk up. Kids mm -hmm. will listen to you a little more than, you know, the average Joe that's off the street. So you know, I definitely think that's, that's something that I think Dion is maybe making more accessible or more yeah. realistic for folks. I don't know if Tom Brady's the one that's going to be doing it, <laughs> but right, right, right. I can't see a lot of, you know, other high level former athletes going that route and, seeking to transform the lives of, of young people at both the, you know, the college and, and high school levels. So you, you mentioned NIL deals, and I think we'd be remiss to ignore that detail in that particular part of the story and, right. and of how Dion has been able to succeed both at Jackson state and at Colorado so far as this perfect storm of 
the era of college football that we're in mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the NIL, you know, which is allowing these kids to make money off their name, image, and likeness. And of course, the transfer portal, which has allowed them to treat college sports a little more like pro and professional free agency. Yeah. So what is it about Dion and how has he leveraged both of these tools to be able to rebuild this Colorado program? And I mean, we'll build up the Jackson State program as well. Yeah, I, I mean clearly a marketing genius right he's, he's brought in uh, his son Deion Sanders Jr. to document every single moment right they had the coach prime documentary their social media presence is very very strong and just thinking about all those eyes and impressions that raises a player's valuation right like if it's one thing if you know this is a place where that marketing isn't happening you can only demand so much but if you're able to take that data and say look at all these impressions I have look at all uh, the likes that we've gathered look at um, people want to um, hear me on this podcast or see me um, on this TikTok, it starts to add up heavily. So I, I think just really having that sense of how to promote yourself effectively, this is the perfect time for him. I, I, I think 30 years ago, it would have been very difficult, right? Where, you know, people were still getting paid, but it wasn't above the table. And, and I think now being able to show folks like you can live a full life uh, a wealthy life at this point i'm seeing uh that clip where uh, shadur sanders is on the phone with dion and with tom brady and he's talking about driving his rolls royce right <laughs> just thinking about um i was like man what's this guy going to get once he turns an nfl player is he going to buy a spaceship like what's going to happen <laughs> right so it's the perfect time it's the perfect time to be able to show folks um you know, they were always professionals, right? So it, being able to show them uh, the ways in which they can capitalize it because the reality is um, not everyone's going to go pro. So some of these folks, they they don't just need to be the nostalgic, oh, man, we had such a great time back in 2023. They need to be able to um, take care of their families um, regardless if they're, you know, going into professional sports or not. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely the the perfect guy, The this marketing genius, this relentless self-promoter, um, who is able to raise the profile of these kids, this program. And I think NIL has, has revolutionized college sports, and he's just been in the right place at the right time. And, of course, the transfer portal, we can't ignore that, oh, yeah, yeah. has allowed him to you know attract this top-tier talent, and I think he's going to continue to do so as he builds up this program. And it's just, you know, it's it's remarkable to see how how well he's taken advantage of these mm-hmm. tools at his disposal. And maybe, like you said, if this was 30 years ago, Maybe this turnaround is is not so sudden. Maybe he's having to, you know, recruit these guys the old-fashioned way, or have them transfer and sit out a season. And just there's so many roadblocks to the success or the you know instant success that they're mm-hmm. they're experiencing here. And obviously, we don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. You know that we're only three four weeks into the season, right? But ultimately, what is success for this program? We'll say you know this year, the next two three years, five years. What does success look like for Colorado and what does success look like for Dion? I think for Colorado is consistency, right? Something that I, I think they have to really guard against is not having the equivalent of like Fernando mania or insanity, right? Like we can be really excited. You know, the jerseys can be sold out and then, you know, let's say they, they lose at USC and they lose like five games straight. It can just get very quiet. And then if next season they're not able to sort of come out and really show them, right? Because the next season, three wins is not going to be impressive, right? This season, it's like, yeah, you're good now. Like, you've already improved. You can just kind of, like, coast. But you have to continue to build um, and and consistently improve. And I think that's what success is going to look like. I I don't think 
it's championship or bust. I don't think they have to win the whole thing in order to say this was successful because I, I don't think that's a necessarily fair metric, especially given that he went to Colorado. Like, let's be let's be honest. But I do think that they have to consistently improve and it has to be something where the program has a, a transformed culture, right? It can't just be, you know, once he steps away from it, because he's going to step away at some point. I don't think he's signing up to be their coach for the next 20 years. I don't think that's true. I could be wrong, but I don't think that's true. And um, I, I think it has to be something where it's really uh, transformative. And for Dion, I, I think you have, success looks like proving that he can coach on this level so that when, you know, Florida State is is open or when Nick Saban retires, because I really think those are the two programs that are on his list. I think it's either Nick Saban's retirement or when Florida State has a vacancy. I think those are the places he wants to go. And so when either of those things happen, he's able to show, look, I took Colorado to fill in the blank. Like whatever that fill in the blank is has to be something that allows him to make that next step. Yeah, I think we can say, I mean, this season is already a success at some level. You know, yeah. obviously you would hope that they finish somewhere around 500, maybe win eight games. Some of the college experts have, have pegged them around seven, eight wins, which would yeah, be that's... a massive leap. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, he definitely isn't going to be there for 20 years. I think hope, my hope is that he stays there for, you know, th- three to five years, yeah, maybe three, three years. Yeah, just three. So, you know, we, we are able to see the full extent of his recruiting capabilities of, you know, the talent that he's going to transfer because, you know, it's it's hard to build up a college football program, even with NIL and transfer portals and all that stuff. You can't build it overnight. And I think for success for him would be, I think they're moving to the Big 12 next year. Mm-hmm. So it, it would be competing for at least the, you know, the share of the Big 12 title being, you know, I think finishing this season ranked would be a massive success. Oh, and if yeah. they're able to finish, you know, somewhere in the top 15, top 10 next year or within the next two, three years, I think that'd be a massive success. And mm-hmm. obviously Dion is a very ambitious person. I do see him moving on to another job. And like you said, if he is able to take Colorado to back to prominence, back to, you know, top 15, top 10 in the nation, you know, one can only wonder what he would be able to achieve at a Florida state or Alabama or Texas A&M or right. one of these, you know, big time schools down in the South that have this fertile recruiting ground and all that. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm sure it's hard to get kids out to Colorado. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. exactly a football <laughs> hotbed so right right but you know i think he's already exceeded expectations so far and you know we'll have to see we'll have to revisit this maybe we can have another conversation at the end of the season and do for kind sure. of a year in review for colorado and see what's next but you know any final thoughts on on Deion sanders and this whole thing i know it, we've covered a lot but anything that that you want to share about you know maybe your feelings on Deion and how this has been such a significant moment for you as well Oh yeah, that's this has made me pay so much attention to college football. Like I'll, I'll, I'll confess, I grew up in New York. We weren't watching college football like that on Saturdays, right? Yeah, like, they don't care about that. Did not <laughs> care about it at all. And I have found myself every Saturday in this season, you know, oh, who has a birthday party? No, nah, they need to move that birthday party because because Colorado's playing at noon. Like you know, just really like being excited. Like you know, my kid's soccer game got rained out. Like oh yeah, we could go watch Colorado. You know, like just really thinking about the ways it's really felt like not just you know uh, this 
isolated like oh i i'm into this game but it's it's felt it's become a real cultural moment like you talked about um prominence because relevance is already there like they they have relevance so i think his presence in colorado is big business right and, and just thinking about what it means for the town of boulder is not a big place at all right so like to have that many folks there to have sold out games to have sold out merchandise to have um colorado you know you know if you're watching, uh, you know, major sports networks like ESPN, you're just inundated with wall-to-wall coverage. It's it's transformed the expectations there. And I, I think it will be um, great to see it sustained over the next – I'm right there with you. I think he's there um, three years minimum, uh, but I can't see it past five. And, and I think that uh, him uh, being able to sustain this uh, fever pitch over the next um, three to five years – is really going to have long-lasting effects on the Colorado program. We haven't seen, uh, even though the national attention isn't there, but Jackson State hasn't gone into the dumps. It's 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 doing well within the confines of of um F F F F C S. So I think in that same vein, Colorado uh, getting to be like nationally ranked throughout his tenure would be something very significant. They fell they fell out of the rankings unfortunately after Oregon, but I do think they'll get back in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I am a college football fan. I I do love the sport of football, but you know, I don't necessarily have a favorite team. Uh, I kind of generally root for the Pac-12, being a California guy. But no doubt, you know, what leading up to the season, I put Colorado at the top of my Yahoo, you know, sports app. <laughs> this is my That's favorite it. team. Right. I make sure to watch every single game. Same thing. It's it's become appointment viewing. And if you would have told me, you know, told anybody last year, hey. Colorado, Colorado State is going to finish at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning on the East Coast, and it's going to be the biggest game of the weekend. People would look right. at you like you're crazy. Like, what? Of Nobody course. cares about that. No. So it, it definitely it's, – it's become a cultural moment. Like you said, relevance is already there, and hopefully prominence is next for this program. And I think we're, we're both rooting for, for Dion. And, you know, unfortunately, folks have made it bigger than football in a negative right. way. I think we're rooting for it to be – bigger than football in a positive way to open up new opportunities for guys like Dion, for former athletes, for, you know, blackhead coaches and all that. So thank you for your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can we find your work? Where can we find your podcast and where can we find you on social media? Absolutely. So at Baddest Chaplain on Facebook, Instagram, on Spill, Substack, baddestchaplain.substack.com. But you can listen to Baddest Chaplain on Spotify, Apple, and Substack, and, and also on YouTube. So thank you so much for having me on the, on, the, on the podcast. This has been fantastic. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Likewise.